Namotasabhagavatorahatosamasambhutasanamotasabhagavatorahatosamasambhutasabhutasambhutasambhutasambhutasambhutasambhutasambhutasambhutasambhutasambhutasambhutasambhutasambhutasambhutasambhutasambh
as as things get clearer, you you want to see. So we, uh, and of course, in situations rather humbling to to know one is not really, you know, getting the result that one will wish for. We're seeing the possibilities. We're inspired by the transmission, Dhamma, examples, and yet. How do you do this? How do you get there? You know, make it happen. I can't quite do it. You know, something mm, yet. So, you know, don't worry. You know, things are cooking, and it hasn't arrived yet. You know, but you're in process. The the factors, the dumber factors, haven't really properly arrived yet. Um, like you, it's in the oven. It hasn't been cooked yet, but it's it's getting there. And these are the the dumber factors we should reflect on. Uh, they're presented in many different ways, but um, yeah, you know. But just uh, for example, the very nature of, um, of our, our interest, chanda, uh, eagerness, motivation, desire, desire for the wholesome. That's a skillful state because it keeps you keeps you questioning, keeps you not just falling asleep in your life, keeps you searching. Desire, motivation. And this is the uh, first of four factors which are called the paths to to skill or success in any any in any endeavor that we do. And chanda is the first factor, and if that's we get that that warming up, that eagerness, then the next factor is virya, as energy is aroused. Energy, then uh, you know you've got something that. Will, you can use use the energy and make it apply it to specific points. You know, you know maybe I'm looking for something called peace, but what's that? Uh, I know where I'm not peaceful. Okay, can I apply myself to that and undo that? And this is very much the process, the path of um, ceasing suffering. So it's a you know, the cessation of suffering is a good aim to have <laughs> because you can certainly acknowledge that stress and that, that suffering and, uh, uh, that's something that can be really directly experienced uh, what hasn't arrived hasn't arrived yet but we know that's that's the point of the Buddha teaching to apply one's efforts and energies to the cessation of suffering and that's something definitely one should be desiring eager for Uh, and in this uh, Dhamma it's said that there's another form of desire called craving or tanha which is like thirst and this thirst uh, tanha often gets mingled or mixed up with chanda but tanha is more like a craving for something in the conceivable, imagined world, like a oh, happy future. Oh yes, I'd love to have that. Where's that? It's just an idea, isn't it? Uh, uh, some body, complete awakening. Yeah, great. Where's that? Right here. How about peanut butter sandwich? Well, that's a bit more tangible, but where's that? <laughs> 
it's the same, you know, we're just conjuring up images of something we'd rather like to have or what I'd like to be. I'd like to have a better body, but where's that? So these are always in the imagined realm. This chanda, chanda can become, uh, turn into tanha when it goes into the imagined, the fantasized, where ideally we purify it. So it's just the eagerness to penetrate, transform, direct experience, handling. And if your direct experience is suffering, unsatisfactory or whatever, then you approach that with the motivation. This is going to be resolved somehow. It's generally resolved, according to the Buddha, by the relinquishment of tanha, the relinquishment of craving. And he says, you have to get this in, in your citta. And citta is the third of these four factors called the idipada, the path to success. And to know it directly in your own heart, citta. So the heart is aroused and it's in here. It's not going to happen out there. It's not going to happen in the future. It's not going to happen in the past. It's not going to happen as an idea. It's going to happen directly in your citta is where this craving lingers uh, and that's where you can root it out it has to be a fourth factor the fourth idipada we monks so you have to deliberate analyze question what's this what's that what's this what's happening here what's what am i searching for how true is that how real is that yeah uh you know and where's the real bit where's the real point i can approach here these factors all work together in anything you do, including meditation, has to be some desire, eagerness, uh, uh, eagerness for skillful states, eagerness to begin to develop the resources for eliminating suffering. So you have eagerness to, okay, I want to become stronger. You know, I want to develop some strengths and resilience. Okay, not just somebody who just gives up on day one. Yeah. Commitment. Yeah, that's good. Commitment, resolve. Otherwise, you know, nothing's going to work, is it? Patience. Desire for patience. How can I test myself? And how persistence, steady, ongoing, persistent effort. That's skillful mindfulness, ability to sustain attention, sustain attention on something uh, that you've chosen, that's, that you're handling, that you're learning from, give it time, mindfulness, and to say, how can it be developed through the body, the mind, feelings, you know, mindfulness of what's happening in direct experience, always translating it back to that modality of direct experience. Dhamma-vijaya, investigation, very much like there's a process of inquiring and handling phenomena. And this uh, whole aspect helps us to begin to clarify what's really going on. So because uh, in the world of the, the conceiving, creates great trails and clouds of possibilities and images and and potentials and histories and stories, as you know. 
thinking mind comes up with all these stories and memories and I should do this and, this and, this and what's going on really? Um, he did this and I should be out and, uh, worry. That's it. Okay. So you see, you can use this process of deliberation and careful attention to get to the point. So you cut through the clouds of mental proliferation, mental creations, thoughts. And what's the real point? It's touching your heart. <laughs> yeah. Is it him or her or is it ill will? Mm, got it. Is it, yeah? Is it this or that or is it sense desire? Oh, yeah, got it. Is it this or that about myself, what I could, or is it doubt? Yeah, that's it. And so you examine this stream, which is turbulent, cloudy, murky, dazzling, you know, beguiling, fascinating, and you just get down to the direct dhammas, which you can see are much simpler, the underpinning, the, uh, the underlying factors that support this very uh, confusing and manifold experience of the, of the conceivable. And the direct experience that jitta has is one of feel stirred, feel agitated, feel oppressed, feel saddened, you know, and there. And then there's, there's the point, then the response to that. So we keep practicing this way. And what is the response to that? You know, we begin to first respond. So you've got to recognize what's going on. Process of deliberation, investigation, to cut through all the ifs and ands and maybes and he and she and they and what I could in the world. You know, let's get down to it, you know. And then that clarification of recognition. Oh, this is what's really touching the heart. Yeah. It's not this, that, the other. It's just I don't like people telling me what to do. Right, got it. <laughs> you know, what's that about, you know? Oh. Yeah. If there's something rise up and goes, you can, when you get the real thing, it resonates. You get it. The heart, ah, ah, something's been found out. I like to be in control of what I'm doing. I like to be the person who tells, who does what they want. Yeah, I want to follow my way of doing things. Mm -hmm. Well, this is, mm, you feel that? Yes, that's really what is occurring. Um, I just want to be able to not have to face things, to get away. I want to get out of this incarnation altogether. <laughs> Too confusing. We got it? Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> I want to go to a heaven realm where I wouldn't be bothered by anything. Take it easy. Yeah, that sounds quite plausible. <laughs> then you begin to kind of reveal beneath the, these uh, kind of images and movements of the mind, the, the the qualities that are going on, that are occurring. And, uh, and they're all, you realize, they're all bound up uh, with one thing. Tanha.
thirst, I want, I don't want, I want, I don't want, I really don't want, I really want, I should have, it's my right, I deserve, I need. (laughs) Somehow it's, I shouldn't have to, I shouldn't have to have pain, I shouldn't have to have things not going my way, it's not right. Tanha, <laughs> this pleading voice. People should understand me. I should, why don't they behave the way I want them to? Tanha, craving. <laughs> and it's always associated with something that isn't here, that we'd like to have, or not have. You know, to be somebody who's free from this, from whatever's going on. You say, yeah, but that's totally understandable. That's the, that's the force that drives the stream. That's the force that uh, all of us are, are involved with. Let's just be clear about that. And uh, what, what, what supports it? Uh, and what removes it? Uh, so it's saying, well... You know, the teaching is a complete relinquishment of tanha, of getting, attaching to it, clinging to it. Okay, how do you do that? Well, certainly there's a process of just withdrawing your energies to these places of steadiness, if you can find them, in your body, calm. But this, though it gives you a refuge where you feel steady enough to be out of, examine things because you're no longer so overwhelmed by this flood. This is the samadhi principle, the samatha principle, to find a, get solid enough to at least be not to be overwhelmed with the flood of sense desire, the flood of ill will, the flood of fear, of worry, of agitation, the flood of mind states. You, in a way you begin to sense uh, this principle of the citta being able to stand back from the citta sankara. So the citta sankaras are the, the energies that create forms, create ideas, create images, create the future, create the past, create oneself, create others. It's creating these images that have no substance, and yet they pull. And they become so convincing, and by and large the world believes it all to be true. And the jitta steps back from it. Well, what I know is, this is suffering. This is like this, you know. So you begin to hear your, these stories and these ideas and these plans and motivations that go through the mind. It's running on. It's running on. It's a sankara. Is it running anywhere real or just to an idea? Just to something that hasn't happened yet. If it's doing that, this is tanha. Uh, it's always towards something that isn't here. And the idea being that once we get that, well, everything's going to be good. 
Once we get that thing we want, we're going to be fine. And we've all followed that impression through our lives, and it's very much the um, impression, the fundamental uh, um, message of materialism. Buy one of these, you're going to be good. You know, get one of these, you're going to be happy. You know, and the advertisements, everybody in the advertisement looking happy, holding their bottle of whiskey, happy, you know, in their car, happy with their phone, happy with their clothes, happy with their washing powder. And once you've got that washing powder, you're really going to be happy. Really? <laughs> and then you think, okay, go and buy one. Ah. Oh. Oh. What next? <laughs> yeah. Happy with your food. Oh, great, nice meal. Now what? Switch on something else. So we keep following that movement, 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 sense, contact, sense, desire. Karma tanha. Karma, not kamma, reaction, but karma, sensuality. And it, it it's, gives you moments, these bursts of gratification that just like sparks, they flash, and whoop, and then sputter out. And so you light another one, another spark, flash, sputters out. And you, because you've got the six senses, you can run from one to the other, lighting, lighting sparks, and it keeps you busy. Um, but it doesn't take you out of the stream. In fact, it very much gets you into the stream. And the nature of it is that once you've, uh, with tanha, you, once you feel you've, you've got what you wanted, you don't want it anymore, because you've got it. So then it gets kind of boring. <laughs> Tanna always, always uh, rests upon the excitement of being able to get something. The possibility of getting something, that's exciting. So you get this energy rising up, that's the heat of it. Wow, if I could get that, I'd be, well, that's the exciting bit. And once you get it, you can't be excited by it anymore. It's just... So, well, that'd be good, though. Yeah. <laughs> Goes like that, doesn't it? So, as you actually just witness your tanha operating, you know, it's like just like you have this particular food, that'd be great. You get it. You know, as soon as you get it, you're not excited by it anymore because you got it. Yeah. What went wrong? Nothing went wrong. That's the nature of tanha. It's excitement over what isn't here. And as soon as it's here, you don't get excited anymore. So the energy of tanha has to go to something else. It's an energy of constant thirst. Constant thirst. And the image of this uh, is the hungry ghost, which you have in Buddhist cosmology. These hungry ghosts are like creatures who live in the, kind of, in the Buddhist cosmos, the Preta Loka, and they're just, they're always, they've got big bellies but only little mouths, they never get enough. They're endlessly hungry for more, for more, for more. Uh, yeah. And they're these beings who are, uh, who, who are uh, just constantly plagued with sense desire. And, uh, 
if, so if you follow that, that instinct, that's where you're going. <laughs> and some people, you can see, they're already there. <laughs> Addiction, when you're addicted, completely addicted, you're just constantly popping these things in, you're not getting any happiness out of it, you just got to keep doing it. That's the hungry ghost. So, you know, we've probably had some of this experience. Did you learn from it? Because although these these positions are extremely uncomfortable, the the truth of it all is it is cha- it is impermanent. You can it can drop away. You can you can reestablish. So you always remember that we have to learn from the mistakes. Then uh, don't let it the mistakes and the errors that you make don't let that be an obstacle to your chanda to your motivation. Okay, got it. Learn that one. Got it. Very good. Very good. I think I've got that one. Now, change. Yeah? Put that aside. That's something I can do. I can just stop doing that. Yeah? And then, oh, it's a struggle. A struggle, but, oh, I feel a little bit of relief from the pressure of that, that craving and the loss of respect that it causes me. It eats me, eats my heart, craving. So one should be motivated to to relinquishing that. A lot of it is fairly, it can be seemingly in, innocuous, like, oh, I just feel like a, yeah, I mean, nice, uh, we have a little, um, just a little snack, a little cup of coffee right now, that'd be fine, that'd be no problem, there's nothing illegal about it, I don't see why not, after all. And say, well, don't have it. Yeah, but I think I'll just, you know, I mean, talk to me harm or it'll come, yes, no, you can't have it. Well, why not? I mean, it's nothing wrong, it's a, cup, a little cup of coffee doesn't any harm, it's just what's well, quite reasonable, you can't have it. Why not? <laughs> Start to get angry and annoyed and disappointed. That's why not, <laughs> because it upsets you if you can't have it. <laughs> That's why you learn to let go of it. So you go, okay, it's not there, finished. Right. See? You can do it. You can do it. But you can't reason you can't do it through reason. You just gotta do it through through deep understanding of the energy of that. And the only way you just gotta stop. Stop. And then you know why. At first, you don't know why. You just know that energy. This is not good. Stop. And the mind eventually will behave. It will stop pulling. You've begun to weed out this virus of tanha. And anywhere you do that, at any level, it's cigarettes, anything you feel you've got to have and you stop it, then you say, then you're really building skillful states. They call it building parami building transcendent qualities, your mind's going to become stronger and reliable and you've begun to look tanha in the eye without being deluded by it, by its forms and its sparkle and its promises. And no, I know what that is. No. <laughs> well, why not? <laughs> it's no. <laughs> Everybody else does, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Everybody else does. <laughs> Because you're not, you're working on this one directly. 
And so, you know, when we do, every time we do this, you get very good because it's just in these specific points. You're not looking at something as a cosmological principle. You're looking at it as a here and now real experience of something welling up. And tanha, you know, suffering is an origin. And this is the origin, this welling up of the craving to have, to be. To, to uh, consume something, and so now, of course, in our in our life, we are very much, you know, bodies require food, drink, water, so forth, shelter. We don't just be, you know, I am grateful for something to eat to stop the pain in my belly. <laughs> I am grateful. Rather than well, maybe this, maybe that, no, that's fine. That's enough. I, I'm, you know. To as they say, the summer reflection. You know, we consume food just for to quell hunger and to give us strength again, so that we continue our practice. Not for taste, not for fascination, not for just passing the time, not for socialising, but just for this. Yeah, because those other channels, you can see the tanha starts to leak out into them. Yeah. And it's very, um, uh, I'm encouraged. <coughs> you know, so in the uh, monastery I live at, we have the, uh, the main meal, which is just whatever people bring. Because it's brought, offered dana, generosity. You think I'm receiving dana, I'm receiving generosity. It happens to come in the shape of food, but I'm really receiving the generosity, and so I have to respect that food and just take just enough that I need, nothing more. Because because it's freely offered from a place of dhamma, I should consume it from a place of dhamma, which is. I consume this with gratitude, with contentment, and only that which is need necessary. So you cultivate, you you respond with dhamma to a dhamma presentation. And also, we um, you know, they generally, particularly in a cold country, they generally give you a little something early in the morning, about seven o'clock, just so you've got something to keep you going until the meal arrives at eleven. Because in Britain, people you know, they don't get going until eight or nine. <laughs> so the idea of going out for arms around at five thirty is <laughs> you're gonna be on your own, mate. That's for sure. <laughs> They're not gonna be coming out Bart, that's for sure. <laughs> so okay, you're gonna hang on till ten or eleven till people get up, get it together and so on. And so they generally give us a little bit of, they boil up some oats, so you get this little oatmeal thing. And it, it's kind of, there it is, and you get a little bit of that, and they give you that. And you think, okay, here we are. Next day, same thing. Next day, same thing. Next day, same thing. Kind okay, of nice, it's just a little bit different now and then. It's next day, same thing. Next day, same thing. Okay. So I get... Uh, <clears throat> Because I'm a senior monk, one of the junior monks, he gets the, uh, he goes to the where the food is being prepared. And he, he makes a little little tray and it's 
the oatmeal in a dish. And they generally give me an apple or something. So they put it down. And he has to walk to the um, to the uh, where I live, which is about 50, 60 meters away. So if it's cold, cold day, then the porridge gradually gets cold. <laughs> and as it, if it's raining, the porridge also gets <laughs> rained on. And if somebody stops him to ask him about something or the other, then that makes so the tummy is kind of, kind of somewhat lukewarm porridge. Okay, be nice. It was kind of a bit more, you know. Never mind. Here it is. <laughs> and then I used to have this every day. They have this, and they put an apple on the right side of the porridge. And you, okay. And then one day they put it on the left side, and you got quite excited because at least it was different. <laughs> And you think, okay, well, just there it is, you know. <laughs> and okay, just something different, just for a change, you know. But they would do this, so I lived at Chitta, Chitta that's their standard. So sometimes somebody comes along and give you a, a donut or something, you know, oh, whoopee. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go to another monastery, you think, well, we'll have it different there. So I went up to Amrawadi Monastery, and then we thought, oh, right. They come in, they got a little tray, a bowl of porridge and an apple. And they say, well, you have this every day at Chitta, so we thought it must be your favorite. <laughs> oh, th- thanks, That's, I'm really grateful for that. <laughs> and you just kind of heart, sort of heart sort of breaks. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. Just that, isn't it? So eventually just get whatever it is, just take what's necessary. <laughs> Don't go into it anymore. <laughs> sense, sense contact, sense desire. Of course, the other big forms of uh, tanha, which there are two, and they're pretty, they're twins, is called bhava tanha. And vibhavatana. Bhavatana literally means the craving for uh, being or existence or becoming. It means something like one wants to be something. You know? and you're, it's the craving to arrive at a final state. The craving to, to, for the future, you could say, I, I want to be this. I want to arrive here. I want to get to this situation, this place, this I want to feel like this, you know, I want to be something. And uh, Vibhava is the opposite. I don't want to be with anything, I want to get out. You know, I, want, I don't want to be anything, I don't want to have to feel anything, see anything, hear anything, I want out. You know? So these kind of two currents, and these are much more deeply embedded <coughs> in the mind, because they're associated with kind of not just much with superficial sense contact, with kind of certain psychological uh, references that uh, that we all, by and large, orient around, uh, live our lives around. One of them, of course, is the reference of time, which we all believe exists. <laughs> so we, we all know there's a future. So in the future, I would like to be in the future. I want to get my future clear. 
that we imagine and we plan and we try to organize so that the future will be this way rather than that way. Uh, and this is sort of sense, it promises the arrival at somewhere complete, finished, tidy, satisfactory, contented, so forth. So we have this image for that. Someone tries moving to that. And as you recognize, you realize, well, as you moved in that direction, conditions change. And what we were imagining means doesn't quite happen, something like it happens, but not quite. And then you, oh, we'll try again. So we're always searching for something to be in the future, where we will be complete and satisfied. So people can put a lot of effort into planning. And rather like any other form of tanha, the, the sign of it is when it becomes obsessive. Yeah. So you're planning this, that, this, that, and planning your day, and then planning your week, planning your month, planning the year, planning where you're going to go next year, the year after it, this, that, and it's kind of, then you think, right, got it all nice and clear. Nice and clear. And then reality happens. You know, just your plan, you were doing this, and you slipped over and broke your left ankle. Drat. Or you're planning this, and he didn't turn up. Dang it. Or you're planning that, and the air airplanes went on strike. Hey. Or you're planning that, and the machine broke down. You're planning that, and the weather changed. Are we going to go to have a great holiday in Kosamui? Great. Weird. It went cold and wet. Then I got sick. That wasn't on my plan. The suffering, isn't it? And planning to become something. And then the fascination it gets in the mind. So uh, the, meta, the motto for uh, our practice is we have no future. Yeah. We have no future. Future is an imagination. By day seven, I could be. As soon as you do that, you set up impatience, you set up tanha, craving, and you know, the future is always marked by either uh, uh, excitement, eagerness to get there, or fear, dread, worry. It might not work out. So you, by doing, by believing in that, you invite these phenomena into your heart. When you're excited and eager for the future, you don't pay proper attention to the present. You don't investigate what's happening in your mind. You still you've got this idea, and you're trying to shove everything towards that. I want to do this. So, you know, even imagining we're going to the kitchen for the meal, you've got that idea. Okay, get through the door again. Get out of my way. <laughs> and you, then you fall over going down the steps. You're too, too excited, too eager. Yeah. And you say, no, you, you actually you set up the intention and mindfully in the present, you assemble, you build the conditions and you're aware of the conditions and you begin to operate mindfully in the present. It's just rather like, remember, we're all walking through the forest. If you walk through the forest, dark forest with 
the uneven ground and creepers and animals and things with the idea I'm getting somewhere else, you're going to end up in trouble. You've got to be very careful where you are and take a step at a time. And you see what's possible, what's possible, what's possible. So in a way, the future doesn't exist, but the present can change in accordance with the, the conditions, the, the qualities that you put into it. And the understanding is, there's no such thing as a future, but the present will unfold in a beautiful and benevolent way if you apply mindfulness, clarity, compassion, patience. <laughs> then the, future, the present will unfold in as best the way as possible. And now you, and only you, have control over that. You can't control the airlines, you can't control the weather, you can't control other people, you, but you can control your heart. And you can put good qualities in there and they will inevitably bring forth the best. You may not get to go to go Sumui, but you might arrive at somewhere where you feel contented where you are. And that's more important. Right? Yeah. The future is a conceivable, a constructed idea. If you dwell in it, you will, you cannot, you'll dwell in it, you'll begin to experience the pull of tanha, and you'll begin to suffer. <laughs> because it's never here. And that's suffering, isn't it? And of course, uh, the other direction, we tend to go into the past, the good old days, why can't we go back to that, when I was this, when I was young and fit and agile and great, and I had this great this, that, and the other, nostalgia, or regret. We can sit thinking about the past with regret and sadness, and oh, I wish I could get rid of that memory, I get rid of that painful, embarrassing memory. Oh. Yeah. And uh, I go back to that lovely place I was at, and it becomes beautiful again. Or that person I was with, it was fantastic. Yeah. So I used to have this a lot when I was uh, first went into the into the monastery. Yeah, the idea being, well, you know, you get enlightened in perhaps a month or so, and then you get out and do what you want to do. Maybe two months, maybe. And after a month or so, you start to think, oh, you know, it was really nice. I had that girlfriend. She was so sweet and kind. I had a really great time with her. And then, Wait a minute. If it was so good, why, did, why didn't you stay with her? Because <laughs> you just remember the good bits. <laughs> and your mind creates this image of somebody in the past who was so wonderful and sweet and beautiful and affectionate and so forth. And well, if it was like that, why didn't you stay with it? Well, because it wasn't like that. There's also the bad times and the disagreements and the confusion. And oh, remember, it was so good. Yeah? And even if it was good, it's past. <laughs> That's what the past means. <laughs> so you can't. You can't go back. So what is it? It's trying to do that. And this is Tanha again. And of course, with our, uh, but you know, this movement from the past to the present to the future is really an illusion. 
And the big, uh, the reason for that illusion, or one of the conditions for it, is it, it supports the idea of being a permanent person, a self, a person who was born then, was this, this, and did that, and becomes this, and then the future they this, and they're that. Well, you know, what's the future for that person? And one word, death. <laughs> that is the, that is definitely, absolutely, rock solid, completely, so that that package breaks up, right? Yeah. And then you're okay. Try to realize who the person is in the present. You know, you may have an idea of who she, who she or he was in the past. Images, pictures. Here I was. We're living here. Here I was working here. Here I was with so and so. Here I was doing this. And these pictures fly up. Okay. Now let's look at it right now in the present. Who this person is. Uh, well, it's um, body, I suppose. Uh, yeah, so, so are you in your feet or your hands or your fingernails? What happens if I cut your hair off? Will you be any less a person? <laughs> so bits of the body, you know, as you see, you can reduce, take an arm off, there still be some sense of person. So the person is not exactly the body because the person can exist without the experience of the body. Most, most of the time we do. We're hardly aware of it. person is still there. Who's the person? Well, it's this um, mental states. Which one? Because uh, they change, don't they? <coughs> um, it's the... Uh, what else could it be? Uh, it's some... Mm, it's some immaterial presence. Sounds convincing, what's that? <laughs> You're bluffing. <laughs> do you need to create creating one? What you really directly see and experience, surely, is transient images, impressions, sensations, energies, memories, anticipations, wishes, skillful states, unskillful states. Isn't that true? It must be, or I'm the person who experiences it. Well, so if, if those, what if those didn't occur, would you still be there? And who would that be? No name, no shape, no color, no body, no mind, no mind states. Not much of a person, is it? <laughs> And so the Buddha said, yes, there is a, a kind of a, a, a place where the phenomena don't arise. But you can't call it a person. It doesn't exist in time. It doesn't move in time. There's no future. There's no past. There's no shape, no form, no identity. Mm. So, but notice what happens whenever you start to believe in your person. You go, oh, I wish I wasn't this. I wish I was more like that. I wonder what people think of me. I'm not as good as he is. I'm definitely better than she is. And I don't really agree with him. And I feel I need more of this for myself. And you know, what I want is, oh, looks like it's Tanha. <laughs> and uh, all this judging and comparing and contrasting and conceiving. and This is stressful, isn't it? keep doing that, 
They say, well, you know, it must be nice to be, you know, monk must be great. Great, nobody bothers you, it's peaceful, tranquil monastery. That's because you don't live in it. For you, that's what it probably looks like. You imagine it is, because you're not doing it. <laughs> when you get into it, it's basically <laughs> quite a lot of hardship, a lot of frustration, a lot of having to witness unskillful states, a lot of not having any choice in what happens. And that is deeply challenging. <laughs> If you're, if you're trapped, prisoner, disempowered, helpless, and then, you know, oh no, you know, and then you have to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. The energy has to come up. Not bound up with person, but bound up with Dhamma. And they say, oh, well, you know, it's... Uh, but naturally, it looks like there's somebody. It looks like a person's there. So, you know, so people say, "Oh, could you help me? I need this." You know, uh, you could know, peaceful and calm. Must be great being you. <laughs> well, kind of. <laughs> Sometimes it's okay. <laughs> but you know, you can get this feeling you should be something. As a monk, even you should be have good samadhi. Best monks have really good samadhi. Oh dear. Best monks are really strict. Vinya. Best monks they live on just one peanut a day. <laughs> oh dear, it sounds tough. They don't, and they're totally equanimous. Oh dear. Oh no, I can't. Oh, tremble. Can't do that. <laughs> So you always feel you're inferior to the best. You get this idea of the best monk would be like this, and you're not it. So as soon as you generate this idea of yourself, then you start comparing yourself with images of what you should be, could be, uh, and so on. Then you start suffering. So really, you see, yeah, okay, you just start dealing directly with what arises. Your craving for samadhi isn't going to do it. Craving for wisdom isn't going to do it. But you can directly deal with what arises with as much energy and clarity as you have. And then sometimes you don't have enough. You don't have enough. You don't have the resources. So you just get knocked around. <laughs> and they say, well, just be patient. Uh, be patient. Be patient. Endure and keep doing this and you'll get the resources. And after a while, maybe... You know, year, two years, five years, you know, oh yeah, I do have the resources, but you have to get challenged and humiliated <laughs> many times by forces of craving, forces of the world, and you feel, oh, you don't like you and trying to just accept yourself as a major. Hmm? Uh, so I see this very often in people. You think, well, oh, she's really great. She's doing so well. She's so good. She's clear. Uh, you know, and they get upset because they feel angry at somebody. I say, well, you didn't kill them, did you? No, no, I didn't kill them. Did you swear them? No, no, I didn't swear them. Well, that's good. <laughs> at least you've got some handle on it. But I feel bad because I feel irritated. Yeah, that's not so good. But, you know, you can't always say don't be irritated. It happened. 
Once it's happened, it's happened. Now you've got to deal with the guilt and the feeling of shame for yourself. You're not good enough and you're worthless because you should be totally peaceful and equanimous. That's a fantasy. You've got to deal with directly with what's arising. And that's that. That's the condition. So, so far the condition for the ending of that has not happened yet. Here we are. And this is where I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn from having these conditions pressed against me till I investigate, realize, why am I irritated by this person? Because she's not the way I want her to be. <laughs> ah, got it? That's why I feel so annoyed by this other person, because she's not the way I want her. She's not doing what I want her to be. She doesn't behave properly. I'm getting annoyed. I'm getting angry. That's why. Okay. Well, if it's another person, if it's another person, it won't be you, will it? So how can they do what you want? Because it's somebody else. Right? <laughs> They've got their own mind. So they don't do what you want. They do what they want. In accordance with what where they're going. And this is something to really contemplate how yourself is bound up with other people. Yeah. My brother's crazy. My brother drinks too much. Why does my son go out drinking all night long? I want him to stop doing it. Why does my son stop? How can I stop my son doing it? Drinking, not behaving properly. I've told him 10 times, 20 times, stop it. It's wrong. He shouldn't be doing that. How can I stop my son doing this? Stop thinking of him as yours. <laughs> I would stop it. <laughs> I would stop what you can stop, which is suffering in your own heart. You stop that. And, okay, well, I guess this is what he's doing. He's making a mess of him. Well, more calm, peaceful, accepting, equanimous. Yeah. Okay. Your son says, Hey Mum, you pretty seem pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? What makes you so peaceful? Well, you know, I gave up drinking twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, I used to drink a lot. Oh, really? You gave it up. Oh. What else did you do? Well, I kinda of start sitting doing better meditation. It comes to you. Sometimes it's like that. How much anguish do you feel about your friends and relatives? Not being this way, being that way. You want them to be like this. You don't want them to suffer. Same with me. I get that. Yeah. Uh, to train. And you teach people because you want people to basically be happy, be comfortable, feel good. And they don't. <laughs> they struggle. And they have difficult mental states. Oh, please, just come on. You can. They don't. They eventually just get... Yeah. Oh. I accept you as you are. Can you accept yourself as you are? And start to get practical about this is the little bit, just this bit you could stop. This bit you could pick up specific. This state you could pick up and practice with. This state you could cool down on. You do that. You do that. Now when things are going to change? Are you trying to deal with a person 
you're dealing with a fantasy, really. Uh, trying to deal with yourself, you're dealing with a fantasy. Of course, you know, Sangha life also being a senior monk, you say, oh, Ajahn, I'm poor, please, I'm poor, please, you've got to come, you know, come to our ceremony. Oh, yeah, ceremony, oh, yeah, I'm poor, I'm poor, please, Sangha needs you to come to ceremony. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, sit there. Same way chanting, so chanting. You think, oh, forest trees, forest trees, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> come to the Sangha meeting. Come to having a, dis- a Sangha meeting, business meeting. Oh, God, Sangha meeting. Forest. <laughs> Trees, forest, kuti. I went forth so I could practice meditation, breathing out. Oh, please, Lord Paul, come to the Sangha meeting. Sangha meeting, important meeting. Sangha meeting. The Sangha meeting is business about this, that. I don't really care. This, that. I don't really care what you do. It doesn't matter to me. Oh, Paul, what do you think? I don't really mind. Yeah. Please, what do you think? Well, I mean, if you ask me, uh, I think you do that. What? Yeah, I think we do that. Oh, no. <laughs> so then, no, no we don't. So, well, why did you ask me then? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should do, I think we do, if you ask me, I think we should do that. <laughs> oh, no, we feel that's not right. We, we aren't really ready for that. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, so then you get the other ones, you go to Sangha meeting and they're discussing, there's a, we're sitting there, and you get 12 of you in a room, you sit around talking about this, that, and the other, and so, oh, you think we should vote on this, and so, uh, okay, what's your opinion? Oh, I think this, and, and they just, everybody starts talking about something else, keep going, so your opinion just went over like an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, 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 thank you. And meanwhile, da, 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 you know, and what do I go to these things for? And say, oh, it's so nice having your your serene, equanimous presence. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel very serene or equanimous, <laughs> but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Just to realise, you just be there, listen, listen to your own mind. Listen to your mind having opinions and views, wishes, craving, and stop and listen and accept it and listen and accept it and calm down. Just go empty of desire, empty of craving, empty of craving to get out, empty of craving for the end of the meeting. You sort of look in the clock and say, been here for an hour, looking at the clock, trees, forest, clock. Been an hour now. Trees cooty, meditate, clock. Hour and a half goes on, it's just nearly the end. Any other business? No, no. I think we do oh god, two hours gone by, nearly finished. Trees cooty. Two and a half hours. Any other business? I think we need to decide this business again. Oh, two hours, three hours. Give up. Dong. Thank you so much, Lumpur. Bow, crap, crap. Oh, well, I guess I'm learning something, you know. Thank you for your calm, equanimous presence. 
Oh. Oh yeah, I did did get that for a few moments. <laughs> and you had to do a lot of accepting of the emotional movements and currents and tides. Be patient, be patient, be patient. Don't act, don't repress, just be patient. Don't give it any attention. It actually dies down. Ah, forests and the trees have landed right here. <laughs> okay. Ah, I do. Yeah. So we work in our, these areas in our lives. You know? Future, plans, projects, possibilities. Uh, you know? Past with its memories and regrets. Other people with their strangeness and if anyone feels affection for, concern for, worry for, uh, irritated by, confused by. Okay. Yourself, not feeling complete, not feeling fulfilled, not okay. Oh. Suffering stopped. Suffering stopped. Oh, suffering stopped. <laughs> That's what you're here for. You're here for these other images. You're here for the chitta, the release of the chitta from its cravings and its passions and its impulses and its opinions and its wishes and its resistances. You just keep going. So the resistances wear out and the passions wear out and the fantasies die down and the idea of what you could be is gone. And that's where the suffering ends. And a lot of it is just this constant application of interest. Stay interested in the process. Don't give up. Put energy into it. Steady, not frantic, but steady energy persistence, look straight into what the chitta is doing, begin to contemplate with wisdom really the essence of what's bugging you, what's getting at you, what's delighting you. Look at it honestly, accept it, recognize it, hold it steadily, a release. And there is a release from suffering. <coughs> this can be known. Whatever else you can do in this funny old world, you can do it a lot better if you've managed to stop your own suffering. If you're still struggling, drowning person can't save drown the drowning people. You've got to get on that dry land. <laughs> and this is the way to do it. So continue your practice and uh, uh, all good wishes for your well-being and courage. <laughs>